What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the new Hustle and Grind podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Bloomberg from Minneapolis River Forge. With me, as always, your host, Ryan Coakley from Ryan Shadborn Knife Works. And we Hello. have the one, the only, the original Florida man, the man, the myth, the legend, Brian House in the house. Welcome, buddy. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate this so much. That my screen has never looked so good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show. I uh, feel like uh, we haven't spoken. Well, I don't think I've been on the show since Noah has been on the show, so this would be interesting. Anyways, but yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm a little bit in the twilight zone here because I've never actually spoken to you before, Brian. We've I mean we've DM'd and uh, we've talked because I. Actually, this is kind of an interesting, interesting story. Like you are very integral into my development as a maker in a number of different ways. So if if I was to just go back in time here, when I first started knife making, I was just getting started and I was looking for a two by 72 grinder because like everybody else, I was using a one by 30. And a buddy of mine who I knew from like way back in the day, like this is one of the guys that I grew up with. And then I moved away and I haven't seen him for years. He shot me a message when he saw that I was doing knife making. He's like, hey, you should check out this um, this podcast. Uh, it's called uh, Knife Talk or something like that. And I was like, oh, OK, I'll check it out. You know, I, I had actually just recently got into podcasts. I was listening to like a lot of history podcasts and things like that. And for the first time in my life, I was like getting into podcasts and I was like, well, shoot, I'll check this one out. And I started listening to knife talk and listening to Mareko and, and Jeff and getting like a lot of really good information from them, uh, especially Mareko. I mean, I learned a lot from that guy on that podcast. And then one day Jeff mentioned this other podcast. And I was like, that, that guy's name sounds familiar. Brian house. Hang on a second here. I think that's the guy whose grinder plans I just bought. Wait a second. And so I went and I found work for it and it was just you and Ben at the time. And I'm like, this is the guy that designed the grinder that I'm building. Holy crap. He's got a podcast. And so then I started listening to your podcast and it's honestly, I, I, I have to say, I think it's probably been the most listened to podcast since I discovered it for myself. And 
from that, eventually, I learned about this other podcast, and it was called, uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, The Hustle and Grind. You mentioned on your podcast, this Hustle and Grind podcast, when it was just Jason and Bubba way back in the day. I think he was on like episode 10. And so I started listening to the Hustle and Grind podcast. And so I think it's fair to say that the reason that I'm sitting in this chair and the reason that my knife making is where it's at due to the revolution is almost entirely due to you, sir, right there. I like that full circle stuff, man. That's that's like a whole thing. Um, it when we started the project of doing the revolution project like years ago. And then when Craig approached me, it's so weird how it all interconnects. So Craig and Jeff started the makery network. They're the knife talk hosts with Morocco and they approached me and I was so new to content creation. I didn't even, a podcast wasn't even on my radar but I, I studied radio. I studied film in college. So I, I have a, like a baseline of, you know, how to produce something. And I love to talk, you know, I love, I love to just like in like not influence, but inspire as much as possible. And with my, I have a very strong opinion about certain things and it seems to align with a lot of successful people. When Craig approached me and he was like, Hey, we're looking for people to join our makery network. And we, we think that you would be great as a podcast host, even though you've never made a podcast before, we'd like you to do one, you know, like join the, join the makery and create a podcast and we'll support you, you know, and help cross promote it. Uh, and then I was like, uh, maybe, you know, I was really, there wasn't any talk of money or anything. It wasn't about the money. It was just like, Hey, just do it. And, you know, let's see where it goes. So I was one of the original like eight podcasts that joined the makery. And I don't know how many are left now. I'm not sure exactly who's all in it anymore. But the what I discovered was podcasting is an extremely powerful medium. So if you, you know, when you get on something like this and we're talking, we're just jib jabbing and sharing information, people glean an enormous amount of data from these these conversations and not only from like, say, a business standpoint where you want to discuss like, say, uh, grinders or forges or whatever it might be, that's one side of it. But the other side is, is and I when I, I used to teach business classes at our chamber of commerce, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and I really had no business of doing it because I was very young and I just still was new to being an entrepreneur. But um, one of the things I would tell the class is that people do business with whom they know and whom they like. And there's only one way that people can get to know you and like you. And that's through, you know, at the time that was really through networking, you know, business networking, you know, meeting up at the chamber or meeting up at a certain event and you guys would hang out and we would all chat. And now all of that has changed. You know, if you can sit on a podcast and have a good conversation with someone and someone can hear what you're saying and tune into it and align with you, chances are they're going to want to do business with you or at least know you. And then you can get to know that person and you just never know where it's going to lead. So, I love the fact that your your circle kind of kind of came around through me a little bit and that I had a part in it because as you know I love watching the rise up of people who are doing what what you guys tout all the time on this podcast it's like you got to hustle you got to grind you got to be out there work hard even at, you know you go to your day job then you come home and you do it all over again 
that right there is how I started my my first company and my second company. And there was there's just no other way, you know, there's no easy way to get there. So it's cool to hear that I had a part in it, Noah. And thanks for sharing that with me, man. That's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, Go ahead. That Ryan. goes for the both of us. I mean, that goes for the both of us. You know, I built my first revolution from scratch when you released the Gen 1. And it never stopped from there. It was a game changer. You know, you can't you can't pump out enough knives to make any money if you don't have a grinder capable of pumping out enough knives to make any money. Yeah. And, you know, and then I ended up I hopped on a live with Jason one day and he was like, I like you. You should come on the podcast. And that was the first podcast I had ever done was on Hustle and Grind. It was that episode way long ago. I listened to it a couple months back, just like go back, listen to an old, I sounded so uncomfortable, so stiff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh yes, sir. Oh, yeah. You know, like no comfort whatsoever. And then, you know, here we are now. It's Just like anything else. Out. Yeah. The more, more you do it, you know, the easier it gets. And, you know, you're talking to, you're, you're having a conversation with people, you know, you're talking and then your the ideas start to flow and they start to pan out. And as you progress, in that conversation, you sometimes like over time, like even on the work for podcast, I forget that I'm being recorded. Like I just, I have certain things that I want to talk about, but you know, Brian and Ben, they bring to the table so many different, you know, I think between all of us, that's like one big pile of ADHD. So we're all just, <laughs> it could be any, at any different, any given time, it could be a different topic, you know? So, and it's, there's always something to talk about. And then when we folded in the WFI projects, you know, Brian came up with that concept like, Hey, we should have a hashtag and like do WFI projects. Little did we know two years later, there'd be over 12,000 projects listed there in that hashtag. And then we just get to discuss things. And it's really interesting to watch too. Cause the, the certain people that tag WFI projects all the time, their, their rise is just like, it just becomes faster. It's like exponential and you guys tag your stuff and you, you know, you do it too. So it's like, it become it became kind of its own little bit of energy that turned our podcast into, you know, a, a sort of a visual where people could go and tag their projects. And it's like, wow, it blows my mind every time I look at it. Yeah. It, it works to the, we're all aware that the only way from the smallest maker up to the biggest guy in the in the world right now, we're all aware that the only way we're going to make it doing what we want to do is if people know your fucking name. And us on these podcasts, it, like shouting out the patrons or the WFI projects hashtag shouting people out that way, that gives somebody a tangible reason to either invest in the podcast or to continue listening. Because even if... Like, let's say, even if you only hear your own name, nobody follows you from getting shouted out or whatever. That's an, a small affirmation to you that you're making progress in getting your name out there. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And it, it and I think with us as makers, a lot of the times we need a series of small affirmations to tell us that we're on the right path. Because if we're doing what we're doing and all we hear is silence, I don't think any of us are going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, you know, we need these small affirmations. Like I've said it before, Mareko going on Joe Rogan for me was a small affirmation that you can succeed as a knife maker. Um, 
I think Forged in Fire had a was a another affirmation for makers that there is a world for this, is a market for this, and we can do what we want to do that makes us happy and still be comfortable. And I think both your podcast, our podcast, um, Fire and Steel, we all have we're all different, but we all give our listeners that affirmation that keep going. You're doing this, your name is getting out there, we will help you. Um, we all started somewhere. We all started small. It's awesome. I forgot where I was going with that, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I, th- I I know where you're going with it. I think that it what you're saying is is we're all climbing a ladder, and we're all on the same ladder, essentially. Some of us are above others, and some of us are helping each other. Some of us are stepping on each other's fingers a little bit. And, you know, that's part of the deal. That's the beauty of capitalism. And I could go into a whole thing about that. But like free markets is an amazing pr- concept. The only way, though, that you're going to be able to succeed is in a side hustle where you're making something. And, you know, our our focus in our on our podcast is business in the workshop, as you guys know. So we're always mm-hmm. talking about, like, how do you make money when you when you're creating something in a two car garage out of your house in Spokane, Washington, and you want to be able to take that product to market. You have no marketing people. You may not even have a website. You've got an Instagram account, maybe a thousand followers if you're lucky. And how are you going to get that first customer to come to you and buy something from you? And when podcasts like ours start that discussion and bring that to the forefront, like where do you even begin? It helps these guys understand like this is a very, very possible thing. You can do it but you got to work really hard at it. It isn't something that's going to happen in one day or one week or maybe even one year. There's an enormous amount of energy that goes into the process of doing this, let alone forget the process of actually making whatever it is you're making. That's one challenge, right? That's the, that's the passion part of it. The other half of that is selling it and learning how to do that and how, you know, cause like you guys and me, I'm, I've never been a big fan of self-promotion. I'd never liked it. I always felt like I was pushing my stuff on people and I'm, you know, whatever. I had to let go of that concept a little bit. And by creating the podcast, WFI projects, all of that, all of those things, it's kind of like a soft sell. You can tag that and you can get on a podcast, you can talk about it. And then like, like Noah said, he found me through, you know, a weird way. Somebody mentioned me and, and that he knew, and then it was full circle on knife talk and the whole deal it becomes like just like you said affirmation that you're on the right path you know the 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 concept here is to if you really want it bad enough you will make it happen and what are you willing to do without compromising your own moral compass without compromising any of your business ethics and all of that you have to be able to sell yourself get out there and do it and this is like a great way of doing that and i i really love the fact too that i get to watch guys like Brian Cohn who, you know, Brian was working at Target. He was making knives at night. Um, he's young. He's got, uh, you know, a lot of talent. He's, but more so than anything, he's got the w- the willingness to go out and sell his wares and figure it out. Now he's a full-time knife maker. He's on a podcast. He's got a lot of followers on Instagram. He, I mean, pretty much everybody knows who Brian is in this industry. If you look at his rise up, it's inspiring because that means, you know, he did it. You can do it. Let's follow that same example. And um, yeah, I'm I'm stoked because 
I believe that we are in a fourth industrial revolution in this country. We, we need to bring manufacturing back here. Uh, it, it, we need to bring manufacturing away from, from sole sources, meaning like, you know, we, we've heavily relied on uh, overseas manufacturing for too long. COVID shown, shined a light on the process that are on that process and, and its flaws because we started, you know, supply chain problems and then which ultimately led to inflation, which led to a whole other host of economical issues that we're going to be facing in the next 10 years. The one major thing that we can do now to change all of that is to bring manufacturing back to the United States. And what I love about knife making in particular is that you can, for a very low barrier, barrier of entry, you can actually make something and sell something out of your garage and then make money with it almost enough right away. Not right away. Maybe it takes you some time, but you could do it in a fairly short period of time to where you could make your side hustle, your primary hustle. And that's what I just, and by the way, even if you decide you don't want to do that, you don't want to make a, like this, your living, you want it to be your hobby. You could get into like the metalwork side of things and never learn. Like your whole life would be a series of learning events that you'll never be able to learn at all. So like, us we we like knives right but there's just so much more to it there's hammers and axes and all this it's a never-ending experience i found with woodworking when i was in work doing woodworking years ago that i couldn't i you know it was only how many chairs can i make how many tables can i make you know i for me i started the shine came off the apple quick but with metal work man it's just there's so much to learn and understand and more tooling to buy, which I love doing. I love going out and researching that next big thing. Like, what are we going to do next? And so to see that grow and then the economy around it. And then when you go to Blade Show, it's like very evident, right? You, you're standing in a room. There's probably 10,000 people in your vicinity. And there's millions and millions of dollars being exchanged between hands in those three days. It is a massive economy of people doing things, making things, and then uh, and making their lives better. And it's all around knife making. And I, that's why I just love doing this work so much. Uh, speaking of tools, that was one question that I wanted us to dive into on this. And like the, as we progress and as we grow in knife making, it gets to a point where you have to grow your tooling. You have to, the, you know, if you want to grow, your tooling has to grow. And like me specifically, I can only use myself as an example, but I have a set of goals this year for tooling. Um, I I want a Langmuir Crossfire Pro. I want a Matthews Precision Benchtop Milling Machine, forced air respirator, and a nice laser engraver. So I'm looking at thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars. I have n I have no idea how I'm going to come up with that, but. I know I will at some point. Do you have any advice for makers coming up and, you know, who are in the same situation I am where they're like, they're looking at the projections like this is what I need. How am I going to come up with the funds in that space to make that happen? Just like any business, you have to prioritize your purchases and revenue, you know, the money side of things can be a hindrance. So when you first start out, do you have the money to actually fund the projects? So the first step I would do is just like, look at that list of tools and go, what's going to return my money fastest, you know, like, and, and I would always use the, the time is money 
equation, meaning which one of those tools is going to free you up to do other things faster to make more money. So return on investment, ROI, and then prioritize that first tool. And I would probably say in that list, it's either going to be between the mill or the, the CNC table, like the plasma table. I think both of those things will save save you time and money. And then also you can make money with both of those things. So, you know, you're, those two tools are very important. You prioritize that and then you say, okay, I need, let's just say you're going to invest five grand in a Crossfire Pro table. That's like all the stuff, right? You need the table, you need the air compressor, you need the plasma torch and all of that. You get like five G's into that. And then you say, well, okay, I'm going to be making knives. So maybe that cuts my profiles for me and that's going to save me how much time. Okay. Now I can make more knives. And that's just say that makes you three times faster in your knife making. That to me right there would scream like, yeah, I need to do that. You know, that was like when I bought that CNC machine, I didn't really have a purpose for it other than prototyping. I just knew I spent a lot of time at my manual mill. And I'm like, I'm manual milling a lot of this stuff, whereas I could program it and have it run in this machine, hand it over to my machine shop, and then they would make it. And if that if I, that works the way I think it's going to work, then I'm going to be able to prototype faster, which means I can bring products to market faster. And that should hopefully pay for itself um, or at least help pay it off quicker, quicker. Uh, and, and, you know, as far as the revenue side, you know, debt versus income ratios, all of those things matter. You know, you got to look at like, Hey, is it, does it make sense to take out a $5,000 note and buy this machine? Or does it mean that I'm going to save up three grand, take out the other two, whatever it might be. But the goal will always be to free you up to return that investment quicker. So that's, that's how I would think of it. And also taxes play into that too. If you're, if you're claiming you're making then that gives you more wiggle room on purchases because they're write-offs. So yes. And, and a, and a write-off only works is if you're in the black, you know, when, so when I tell people like I had to spend a chunk of money at the end of the year, so that 30% of that profit did not go to the United States government. Not that I dislike paying taxes, but our tax code is set up in such a way that it gives us incentives to reinvest into our businesses. Right. So the government says, hey, I'm going to take 30 percent of your money at the, at, on December 31st or whenever you file your taxes. Or you can take that same money and you can buy something with it that's going to make your business better. And I won't take any of it. You know, so, yeah. You, but in order for that to happen, you, you should be in the black. So then, you know, by the time you're a year or two into this endeavor, you should have some numbers. You know, you should have some data that shows you like, Hey, what are my sales looking like? Do I have, did I make an increase this year? Or did I lose money this year? Um, all of those things are important. So a little bit of bookkeeping helps. And, um, and then also I would look at like, you know, doing batch work. If I was a knife maker, I would just, you know, I'd be talking to restaurants like you're doing Ryan and just like, Hey, I need to make like 50 or 60 of these. Um, I'll give you a price break. You buy this many, blah, 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 get a discount or you get a discount for the volume. If you give me a deposit, blah, blah, blah. It, you know, those kinds of projects like that can fund you getting that table quicker because they might stroke you a check for a couple grand and go here, have at it. And then when you have those knives done, you got another couple grand and now you're sitting on 4k that you didn't have before, but you had to go drum up that work. You know, you had to go get it. Um, yeah. 
but yeah. And that, that's been a game changer for me. And I just put in another bulk order with Lawrence. Um, and the first one, it was a four by four sheet of 1095. And I never thought in a million years that I'd be buying knife steel in bulk. You know what I mean? Like we, but we buy a couple bars at a time enough to make a couple more extra knives. But once you get into batch work, it's a whole different ball game. You gotta, you know, you have to do the math on how many knives you can make out of this sheet, what each knife costs you versus your time. And, it, you know, and then you got to facilitate in my situation. Anyways, I had to switch from one off mindset to I'm making 50 of the same thing. All So every process is 50 times longer. So then, you know, and if that becomes a reoccurring thing, you like with me in the plasma table, if I buy a plasma table, it'll probably save me four days off each. It's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, think about how much more product productive you'll be, you know, the, the return on investment and something like that. And there, there's a lot of people out there that are probably listening to this, asking their, themselves or maybe saying that that's not possible. Like you should not cut out knife blanks using plasma. And if it's done correctly, you can, and I've done it and I have a Rockwell tester and it, and it works fine. You just got to give yourself a little bit extra on the edge. You know, right. factor in three millimeters over on the edge. And that way there's no carbon loss in that heat affected zone. Grind it back just like you normally would if you were doing a, a standard profiled knife. That's it. And everything else right. is the same. Uh, you may have to do some annealing afterwards. It just really depends. You know, like if you put 1095 on a plasma table and you plasma cut something and you have water in that table, it's going to water quench that those edges. So they're going to be a little, you know, they're going to be... Uh, hardened well if you make everything three millimeters over you just grind that hardness away and it's much faster than cutting your knives knives out by hand it's just way more efficient yeah i use an angle grinder and i'm quick with i'm quick and i'm accurate but it's messy and it stinks and i mean i went dusty. through 50 yeah dusty it leaves that black soot everywhere i went through 50 cutting discs since February. I mean, that's... have you thought about uh, water jet services? Just like having like New Jersey Steel Baron or somebody. Just pr have you priced it out? I haven't priced it out yet. I have control issues, <laughs> so I like to be in control. I like to be the one with my hands on it. So I'm in my you, mind, man. I'm like, I'm like, I better, I'd, I'm better off if I'm able to do it myself. Um, I can't afford a water jet. It's not even in the cards. A water jet table costs more than my house. So oh, yeah, yeah, crazy. Next, yeah, next best thing's a plasma table. Yeah, yeah. I uh I'm with you on the control thing. So like I'm thinking about starting a production knife line and I want to do pretty much everything in-house. I'll have the jet the, the blanks water jetted out, but I've already like hit a stumbling block because I submitted my quote, my estimate quote thing for for these knives over a month ago and have not gotten a response yet. I mean, I've gotten a response. It's just, hey, we're working on it. And I'm mm. like, that's a month. It's a, been a month. I, I mean, that's a long time. And, you know, I get it. It's right before Blade Show. There's a lot going on. So I'm trying to give like, you know, uh, give some grace there. But it's just like, uh, that's one of those things. Like, I'm just like, you know what? If it were me, I'd, I'd have it done already. You know? <laughs> yeah. Have it done. And production for small makers, like what I'm doing for the restaurant, it might not be right for some people. Some, some people like pickle, they want freedom. 
I don't have freedom with this. They put it, they tell me we want this many knives and I have four weeks from that day to have them in their hands. And it, you know what I mean? That's not freedom. I'm working for them. I'm just working from home for them. It's like, even though it's not, you know, I'm paying taxes on it. It's like independent contracting, whatever, 1099s, but it's, it's not the same as your one-off making. Um, and then you have to have a way to sell those batches. You know, if, if you're going into it without orders already lined up, if you're like, I'm just going to make a hundred of these chef knives, you have to find a hundred people to buy those or one company who wants to sell all hundred for you. Well, and I think it goes yeah. back to the the individual maker, you know, like you were just saying, there's, there's different people want different things with their business. And that's the beauty of it is you can do whatever you want with your business. You are perfectly fine taking a batch of 50 orders of a, of a knife that's not your design. You didn't design it. You're not putting whatever handle material on it you want. You're putting what they want on it. And then you've got somebody like me who wants to keep his 99 to five job because that allows me the freedom to do what I want in my shop. I can make my own Damascus. I can take whatever orders I want. I can make whatever bulk orders I want. You know, my little EDCs that I've been doing are completely my design that I'm making only because I want to. And because I like that aspect of it. And I like getting knives in people's hands for, you know, a lower cost than my one-off customs. And there are other makers out there that are like me. I know I talk to them, you know, hey, I, I want to keep my day job. I just want to keep this freedom and this fun. And then there's other guys who are out there doing the, the hustle and grind thing where they're doing everything they can to get out of their day job. And I respect the hell out of that. And if you're going to be doing that, you're going to you're going to want, you know, whatever you can do to get out of that day job, you're going to end up doing something like what you're doing, Ryan, which is giving up that freedom. And it's a trade-off and it's just something that people have to decide for themselves. Yeah. It's a compromise. I mean, and if you look at it, like for me, I didn't design these knives. I didn't pick the steel. I didn't pick the handle material. I didn't pick any part of it. I don't even put my logos on them, but I can make them in two weeks make more money than I previously have ever made in my entire life in that period of time, which is not very much. I come from nothing. So it's, you know, but so that, and that has something to do with it too. My goals are to be comfortable. Yes. I'm an artist. Yes. I'm a, I'm a maker. I love it. It's my passion, but not ever having to like worry if my mortgage is paid or, you know, like any of the stuff that I grew up, having like instilled in me was, you know, a daily worry. That's my goal is to not worry about that shit. I don't want to let own a yacht. I don't want to live on an Island somewhere in the Bahamas. I want to have a little tiny house and a shitload of land and not have to worry about my income. That's it. And however I can do that is how I'm going to do it. That might not be right for everybody. And I think in the maker community, we, we all, a lot of us anyways, we try and emulate other makers we see because we like their work or we like, you know, their style or whatever. But that may be the wrong path to go because you're not them. They're not you. You know, nobody else is Brian House. Nobody else is Noah Bloomberg. You know, we all have our own paths. What's that? It's a quote I heard a long time ago. We're all in the same game, just different levels, battling the same demons, just different devils. And also remember, uh, you know, 30-year-old Noah Bloomberg is going to be way different than 40-year-old Noah Bloomberg. And and same with you, Ryan. You know, your 
your wants over time change. You know, when you have kids, things change. When you buy a house, things change, you know. So your approach to life is a little bit different. The character, though, you, the core, who you are, stays the same, you know, uh, but your version of success might be slightly different, you know. And as your body and your mind age, you start to think like, can I keep this up? Can I keep working like this? Or how can I make it easier? How can I make it faster? And you start learning over time how that, how those things will uh, make you, you'll make, essentially you'll make, makes you a better business person because you start to learn like, Hey, if I just did this, then man, that's going to save me four days on my production time, man, well, I can turn that around and, and I can do another project in that four days and I can, you know, maybe double up on some things. Or maybe if I hired somebody to help me and that would, you know, change something too. We all play that game. I mean, think about it. You guys just had bald man on, on here and a year ago, bald man did not work for me, but we were, uh, I should say work with me. He works with me. We don't, he, I don't see him like, I don't see him like as an employee, I see him as like a friend. We work together. Uh, but he was not a, an employee at the time, like quote unquote employee. He was a friend who was showing up at my shop all the time and just hanging out and we were working together. And then I learned his story. You know, I heard what was going on with him. He had worked for the same guy for 20 years. He was burnout. I mean, it was like classic me, you know, I was doing, I was working for myself, but I was still really burned out service-based industry. And then we started Project Baldman, like sometime around Blade Show last year, where I started crunching numbers and tried to figure out, okay, how much money do I need to bring in so that I can bring him on? And and then reduced my salary so that I could pay him more, so I could pay him more money to actually bring him on. That was something that I needed to do because I knew from a business standpoint, it would exponentially grow housemate. You know, I knew that if I could just get another set of hands in here, we can get our product out faster. I can work less on the business in the business rather and then I can work on the business, right? Well, that quickly turned into a really a good decision, you know, because you know, he he came on and changed how we did a bunch of stuff. And I knew he would be integral in that that formation. So, you know, it was like you and your tooling, I think of that tooling thing too i also think like wow i would love to hire another guy and like right now we're actually trying to hire like a social media person somebody that i can just bring in to follow me around with the camera and tell our story kind of like a documentarian type person and i i worry about it because now i'm bringing on another soul into my you know another mouth to feed you know i've got to like make up for that revenue so Every single time I, I hire somebody or I buy a new tool or I take on new debt, I have to offset that with revenue. And it's, man, it's a, it's a, like a weird, dangerous game. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're, it's like a chess game. Every time you're moving this, be okay, I think I can do this. I think I can do that. And that's the part that a lot of people don't hear. You know, they see my social media. They see, you know, the stuff that we're doing, we're making, we're grinding, we're podcasting, we're doing, we're having all this fun. And it was funny because somebody went, I think it was Brian Cohn asked Baldman, like the first couple of months he was working with us. He was like, oh, it must be so much fun working at Housemaid. And, and Brent was like, I don't want to, I'm not saying it's not fun. He's like, but this is a fuck ton of work. Like it, we are busy 10 hours a day. We are 
hustling every day and to work. It is really hard, heavy work because I mean, the stuff like a grinder kit is like 85 pounds, you know, it, and we put it in two small boxes, you know, so it's, it's a lot of work. And, um, and so, you know, every single day we're sitting there going, okay, can we keep this up as my body ages, as my mind ages, can I keep doing this? I don't know, but I know for a fact that Brian 15 years ago, 30 year old Brian is a lot different than the guy you're talking to right now. My core character was here. I'm, I'm the same guy. I worked hard. I'm just doing a whole lot smarter now. I'm just, you know, trading this for that and working my way up. And I also made a decision not long ago that, like you said earlier, uh, Ryan, is that everybody needs to know my name. You know, I want people to know my name, not just from a business standpoint, but I want people to know that it's possible. I too came from nothing. I had not, I was, I've been poor. I've been very, very in a very bad position for a long time. And I know what it's like to struggle. And so when younger people come to me and go, Hey man, this sucks. I'm working really hard. I'm struggling. It's really tough. I can't, you know, I feel like I can't make it. I would like them to look at me and go, there's a product of all that struggle that that does, if you work hard enough and you have a little bit of good luck, you can actually do really great things with your life and, and you can live the life. Not that I'm a millionaire, not that I'm like this big guy, celebrity, whatever. It's not that. It's just that I've achieved my level of, of success where I want to be. I'm having a great time with my life and I feel like that's the American dream. And for the longest time, man, when I was in my 20s and early 30s, I w- touted this all the time. The American dream is fucking dead. It doesn't exist. I was angry. I was angry at the system. And then I realized I'm just, I'm swimming upstream. I need to swim with the river. I need to get in that river and swim with it and figure this out. And, and, um, that's what I did with housemate, you know, followed my passions. So there's, um, when honor Kaglar was on, we were talking about Guy Ritchie and when he was on Rogan and he says in that interview, he says, don't hate the game love the game because you're in it. He goes, accept the rules and move on into the rules. Like, don't hate the player, hate the game. Don't hate the game. Love the game because you're in the game. What else? You you have have no choice. You have no choice but to accept the rules or move on into the rules. Like he said. And uh, when I listened to that, it was like six years ago. I was like, holy shit. You know, you just hear that one thing that's like, oh, I'm an idiot. How did I not know this the whole time? Um. Some people will never achieve success, though. Some people are incapable of uh, one thing I think is a big thing for everybody to try and do is learn from everyone else's mistakes. Also, you know, your parents mistakes, your grandparents mistakes, the people you grew up around. Um, My best friend, he's a raging alcoholic from when we were little, little kids. We don't really talk that much now because our lives went in different directions, but he'd never. And what we were doing when we were 14, he's doing now at 40. It's just what, what there's a lot of, um, uh, boys that live in men's bodies. Yes. Something you have to, you'll learn like, you know, down the road is there's a lot of, a lot of boys that never grew up their bodies, their faces, their men, they look like men on the outside. They're, they're just not. And that, but that's not our game to try to fix that. You know, that's, that's on them. They have to learn that. And that's another reason like for being a strong male figure for younger people who are trying to rise up and trying to do work. It's like, Hey, first get your head right. You know, understand that you're, you know, you're going to work really hard for a little bit of money in the beginning. And that's part of it. 
And, and as you climb and grow, you'll, you'll know that your core character, where you'll, your core character will start to really show itself, you know, where you end up. So, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, interesting. Um, I this hate to a, split this conversation, but no, no, we got, go for it. We got to Noah was just going to say it too. Weren't you Noah? Yes, I was. I'll, so I'm going to do the maritime and Phoenix abrasive ads back to back. We don't usually do that, but. Brian's on a time crunch, and we're getting into some good combos here, so. Cool. Hustle & Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Goosesses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Hustle Thanks, Luke. Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Is that Grant Alexander's uh, voice? Crafty Man Forge, Luke Johnson. Oh, oh, that's Crafty Man. No kidding. Yeah. He does, uh, we have, I've got a whole file full of like, Patreon pitches from British accents, Australian accents, Kermit the Frog. Oh, yeah. He's good. Dude, he's good. We're going to have him on the show. He's really uh, good. Coming up here soon, too. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you guys guys or Fader need any voiceover work done for their podcast, hit up Crafty Man Forge with a K. Yeah. He's a mail carrier, isn't he? He works for the post office, I think. Yep. I think so. He must be a patient man, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he, he, he that, walks that, too. Great. Like he, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't yes. drive a, a mail. He actually walks. He's a legit mail carrier. He's got like the bag that's slung over his shoulder and the shorts and everything else. Yeah, it's I've seen uh, some photos. Of him. I think Man, uh, good- Manny G from Parable Knives too. He's also a mail carrier. Oh, really? Oh, they're gonna they're gonna have to submit some shorts pictures for the men of knife making hunks of knife making calendar. <laughs> So did you hear about this, Brian? I what? have not heard about this. You haven't heard about to bring this? this up. I wanted no, to bring geez. this up with you because I know that you're quite philanthropic. Noah and I have been brainstorming this for about the last six months. And what we want to do, and we want to do it right, and we want to do it organized, we want to have a hunks of knife-making calendar. And all the proceeds from the sales of this calendar, we want to figure out in some way. We haven't worked out the logistics on that yet how to pay for master classes for up and coming makers, young makers specifically love them. Um, teenagers, that. high school age, Dexter's age, my son's age, you know, uh, early twenties, stuff like that. Us older guys, we can fend for ourselves, but these young guys, I think they need more of a push. Like if you, you know, if, if we funded a class with Jason Knight, you know, on for somebody or a class with, if they're in the new England up my way, Nick Rossi does classes and like, you know, um, but so, would so, you be so, willing the, so to, the, the, the big question yeah. is, is would you be willing to model for this calendar? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I don't hundred percent. 
I don't have clap audio files on here, but woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we you got know, we Brian. Um, I would love to be involved. I'd love to be involved. Absolutely. All right, we still I got a long wait. ways to go. We're what was the date we were shooting for next year, right? Yeah, we're gonna where it's gonna be a, a twenty twenty four count. It's twenty twenty three now, right? Yeah, so it's gonna be a twenty twenty four calendar, and so just uh, in the the latter half of this year, I'll start reaching out to people and see if we can get some high quality photographs sent in. I'll get an online. Uh, I haven't even researched it yet, but there's a number of different companies out there that that do calendar making, and uh, we'll we'll put it together and make it to where people can pre-order it and and all the all those proceeds will will go to that good cause like ryan was talking about so yeah we'll do like a hustling grind scholarship it'll 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 and it'll be like a firefighter firefighter uh a calendar just knife makers so so like you could wear like an apron and nothing else kind of thing that'd be kind of cool yeah that whatever that you want to do that was the first thing that came to my mind was just an apron just an and apron the part I love about this the most, it's not the philanthropic angle, is that thousands of completely heterosexual men are going to have naked pictures of their buddies in their shops because how are you not going to buy one of these calendars for the cause? <laughs> oh, my God. For? You're right. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So right. And people will be walking into your shop and going, what the hell is this? Like, what's going on here? Tough. Well, there's a story behind it. Let me tell you. You're getting a little fruity over here, Tim. Like, what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> Are you drinking Bud Light in this shop? (laughs) (laughs) I I actually have a question for you, Noah, um, if if you don't mind. So I know I've been following your work for a long time. (laughs) And I noticed that, you know, over the years, you do a lot of custom one-offs, I mean, essentially. And you're making your own steel now. And you're you're essentially, um, like in my head, like I think, like you've really ramped up quick. You know, from the first few knives that I saw you make uh, to the work that you're doing now, it is a significant, you know, you've really gone far with it. Well, thank you. And yeah. And I'm curious, like, what are your, what's your sales process like? And how long typically do you have a knife in your, like, by the time you finish a knife and you get it on your website or when you list it for sale on Instagram, like, what's that look like for you? How long and, and, you know, do you. you know do you hang on to the knives for a while or do they sell right away uh it's it's super variable so like right now i'm working on these these edcs i had the original shotgunner which is just a chunky knife that was you know just like a little pry bar basically something for people to hang on to and those things sold really good and then um i stopped promoting them and obviously then i stopped getting sales and then i decided that i hated them so i I go through these phases where i'm really excited about an idea and then i just completely get over it so i completely got over the shotgunners and then i just recently came out with the v2 and that has some of that sweet b cone carbon fiber scales on it and i really am into those right now so i've been promoting those and those sold really quickly um when I get a custom order, typically, so I've got a custom order form that I have on my website where people can submit what they're looking for and give me a few good um, indications of what exactly they're, instead of, oh, hey, I want to order a knife from you. Like they can select a few different options of what they're looking for. And I also have some price options on there as well. So it cuts down on people who are like, hey, I'd really like to order a knife from you. How much is a Damascus cleaver? And then they're like, oh yeah, I can't afford that. You know, so it takes away some of those conversations um, and just gives people the answers that they're looking for right away, which is, oh, hey, I can't afford a knife from this guy. And so 
there's usually a few little back and forth, and then I'll, I usually can complete a knife within, depending on how far backed up I am, a couple a couple months, um, and then uh, I just ship it off to them or whatever that case is. As far as just the ones that I make in my in my shop, um, I've got you know I've got a kitchen set right now that I made months ago and still hasn't sold, and that's just because I honestly I haven't I haven't promoted it, and um, I'm just kind of not really worried that they're not selling. And I just kind of hanging on to them. Um, other stuff will sell. I'll post a reel of me doing a cut video with it and it sells that day. You know, it's just, it's super, super random. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of, like there's no consistency to it really at all. When you, when you start a knife. So if I'm watching you make a knife on Instagram, is that typically like a custom order that's come through or is it something like you're just like experimenting with something and you want to make something and then eventually it sells? Most of the time it's for a custom order. So anytime oh, I'm wow. making Damascus or anything like that, it's usually for a custom order. Right now I'm doing a, uh, a custom for a Damascus um, brisket slicer. Um, before that, I was working on a really fancy multiple feather Damascus billet for a chef knife that was ordered. So um, most thankfully, most of my customs lately have been for Damascus because that's what I love doing. Um, and then anything else I'll make, you know, I'll just stock or move just a mono steel blade. I stopped. And then, you know, that kind of goes back to what you were talking about with the, you know, you, you, you start off and you two years ago, isn't the same as you now. Like I never would have stock or moved a knife before just because I didn't like the idea of it. And, you know, as you learn and you grow and you realize different things, yeah, it's way more cost effective to just stock remove a knife for somebody, you know, somebody wants a, a two, $300 knife. You, you, you can't spend hours forging and, and all the, the process that goes into that when you can just stock remove it and be done with it, you know? So it's just the, the, the business, uh, side of it that, that takes over certain aspects of your making, but. Yeah. And I, I think, I think something that I, discovered too like right right around the time when my following started getting big is that people didn't care so much about my process they just wanted me to handle it and they wanted me to like work with it and they wanted to know that i had a part in it that's all i cared about like you know if, if i was making something um you know and i don't make knives now i mean i wish i had more time to do that i can grind a knife out and make it and make a lot of steel. And I've made things for like YouTube challenges and things. I just don't sit down and make knives anymore. But when I do, I get 20 offers right away. People wanting to buy them for way too much. And you know, it's just silly. And I'm like, what is the draw? And they're like, well, you made it. I, I want you to, you know, I want to buy one of your pieces. And I think that that's like the cool part about being a, a stock removal guy. And they look at your work and they go, well, I might not be able to afford that, you know, 10 layer or uh, 110 layer Damascus or whatever, but I can afford a stock removal knife from you. And it's the same thing. I want to support your work. I really want a piece from Noah. So I'm going to buy that. And I really like it. I don't care if it's Damascus or not. It doesn't matter to me, you know? Um, and that's what I love about this is that people are willing to, to do that. Cause if you look on, like, for instance, if you type in like EDC knife into Etsy, for example, Dude, mm -hmm. there is so much crap on Etsy. There's oh, yeah. so much, so many knives and fake Damascus and in junk out there. And it's like, so I'm like looking at these knives and some of them are like, they look kind of cool. Right. And then you click on them and they're like 60 bucks for this like Damascus knife. And you're like, 
how can somebody make Damascus for even a billet for that? Like you can't even make it for that. And you realize later that's not, you know, it's being made somewhere else. And there's a lot of differences in, you know, time, money versus whatever. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to buy that knife. Even if it's the coolest knife in the planet, even if I knew that the steel was right and it wasn't, you know, just junk steel, I still wouldn't buy it because I don't know the guy who made it. I don't care. Right. I, I would rather know the guy that made my knife board is filled with guys that I love and know all my knives on my knife board are from guys I know and I love. And it's like to every time I cook something, and I pick a knife off my knife board and it says, you know, Mike Lavalley on it or Brian Cohn. Even I'm like, I love that because it's a piece of that person and I'm using it as a tool in my kitchen. Weird. Noah, do you have a knife on Brian's rack? I don't think I have a knife on Brian's rack. No, no I don't have either knives from you guys. No, <laughs> not yet. Not yet, anyways. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because is, this is something that I heard from you very early on when I when I first uh, started listening to you, and this is something that's really stuck with me. Is that is it? You've you've always said people buy from people; they don't buy from companies, and or or something along those lines. I could be paraphrasing. But it's something that I realized was so freaking true. And I mean, it, it goes down to like everything, you know, it's not just, you know, whether you're talking about handmade products or stuff like this, you know, what even, you know, me as a mechanic, when I'm talking about different tool companies that I buy from, I, you know, buy from Snap-on or Matco or whatever, I'm buying from the people that run those trucks. I'm not buying based on a brand. And there are some people that are like, oh, I don't care if the Snap-on guy is a douchebag. I'm still going to buy Snap-on because Snap-on is the best. But I, I think the majority no, of people... I think the majority of people, uh, you know, they do, they buy from people and, you know, the recent orders that I've got, you know, I I've told people, you know, Hey, I don't think I can get this done by your deadline, you know, uh, whatever the case is. And they're like, that's okay. Because the person that it's for is just going to be so excited that a local, a local maker like you was working on it. And, and it's, so it's, it's so true that, that, that phrase you, you always tell. And, and I love that. I agree. I uh, I hate Snap-on tools, by the way. Oh, it's probably because my Snap-on guy is a douchebag. <laughs> we call him Fullest Frank. He's such a fucking peckerhead. And and they, <laughs> see, it's true because Snap-on tools ran, are great, and and you hate he, him just because of one guy. He ran over a shop owner's dog one time and was like, "Whoa!" Oh, oh that's why you hate him. I don't think. I don't think that could have gone any other way. And I was like, what the fuck? What did you say? <laughs> so, so guys, yeah, no, he's a horrible person. Anyways, so we're 55 <laughs> minutes in here. And normally we like to play some silly games. We've had a lot of really great discussion here. And I love that, but I think we need to try and fit in at least one of our silly games here before we close this out. Brian, we have a, we have a, a segment on this show that has something to do with the state that you're from. Ryan, would you care to would you care to play us in? Yes, I very quickly messed with the volumes on these before the show. So if they're super duper loud, I apologize, everybody. And if they're super duper quiet, I also apologize. And if they're just right, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to play. I love these segments, by the way. It's my favorite part. I'm glad we fit. We're gonna fit one in. Well, we're gonna fit two in. 
Oh, we're gonna. Okay, all right. So here we go. So we're gonna start off with a little bit of where in the world is Florida Man. We've got three stories here. Each one of these was sent in by one of you lovely listeners, and they are ridiculous stories from everywhere in the country, including the great state of Florida, where the worst things always happen. And it is up to you, the listeners, Ryan and Brian, to guess whether this was a true Florida man from Florida or was Florida man somewhere else. We begin. Cowboy Lasso's alleged bike thief in Walmart parking lot. A hero on horseback saved the day after a man tried to make off with a bike that wasn't his on Friday and it all went down in the parking lot of a Walmart. Self-described cowboy Robert Robert. Borba was at the store to pick up some dog food when he heard a woman yell that someone had stolen her bicycle. Borba was able to wrap his lasso around the suspect's ankle and hold the man until the police arrived before heading back to the farm. I roped him, and the rope went down around his feet, and I just rode off like I would if I'd roped a cow or something, Borba described. Do you believe that this lassoing Walmart man was a Florida man or someone else? Well, b- believe it or not, th- we one of our major exports in Florida is cattle here. And if you drive inland, like right from the coasts, about an hour in, it's just cattle farms and ranches um, not far from here. So I'm going to say, I mean, gosh, it sounds like something right out of Texas, right? Or, or Montana or something. Gosh, this is a tough one. Jeez. Um, Ryan, what think do you think? Ah. Uh, I saw the video, <laughs> but it it was in one of them doom scrolls where you're not totally paying yeah. attention. So I don't remember where it was from, but I feel like it was Florida because not only did he lasso the guy, he tied him to a palm tree. Oh, that's a that's a useful piece of information. <laughs> OK, because okay. on the All video, right. so- it showed the guy tied to the palm tree and the other guy up on his horse on his phone. Like, oh man, so, that's great. So, well, then so it's got to be Florida, right? I, I like I like to give as much useful information in these as possible. But the one thing that I don't typically do is correct people. Ryan, that was a telephone pole that he was tied to. Oh, I was so, really high when I watched it too. So <laughs> that could be it. Pickle is very excited about meeting me in person at Blade because he says that him and I are the two biggest stoners in the knife making community. Like, I don't know. <laughs> prob- if I'm proud of probably that. true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm happy about that. (laughs) Gotta be known for something, right? I mean, (laughs) all right. So telephone pole, I'm still going to stick with Florida. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Florida. I'm going to say Florida. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. That was from Oregon. Get the hell out of here. I've never, I didn't know they had cattle ranches in Oregon. And and like, I've been down there a couple times, but yeah, no idea. So that was courtesy of Brian Hunt from Hidden Rose Forge. Thank you, Brian, for your continued support of the show. Next up. Yeah, see here. What order do I want to do these in? (laughs) All right, here we go. Wife stabs husband over explicit photos with, quote, another woman, discovers images were of her younger self. A woman stabbed her husband. I read read this. It's great. This is great. (laughs) A woman stabbed her husband in a blind rage when she found photos of him with who she thought was another woman, failing to realize that the images were actually of her. Without giving her husband time to explain, Lenora began stabbing him over and over while hurling insults at him. 
Uh, <clears throat> according to the police, Lenora didn't recognize herself immediately as the woman in, in the images was younger, thinner, and wearing makeup. <laughs> <laughs> she really let herself go, huh? <laughs> uh, so, as always, there's some there's some key things in this that, that, that I left in to try and give you guys some indication as to where these stories happen. So, Fuck, that sounds very Florida. It does sound very Florida. Yeah. It sounds very Florida. But Her Noah's name is the kind Lenora. Of guy, that too. Uh, but Noah's the kind of guy that would throw us for a loop. I don't know. I late, read this article. I, I don't remember where they were located, though. So late, I'm going to say Florida. Lately, I've just been trying to give you guys as much like hints as possible because, damn, I just want Ryan to get like one right eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on your side at this point. I'm going to go not Florida just so one of us gets it right. Oh, you're doing this again. All right. Brian, you sticking with Florida? Yeah, I'm going to stick with Florida, I think. That was Mexico, ladies and gentlemen. Mexico. Oh, this is where in the world. Oh, yeah. It could be anywhere. Anywhere. Any country. All right. Last up. You guys ready for this? Burglar is arrested after calling 911 to help move stolen items. Deputy responded to a home Saturday after a 911 call was made, but nobody spoke, the county sheriff's office said. At the home, the deputies concluded that nobody lived there, but they found a male suspect and his girlfriend inside the home after entering through an unlocked door. While talking to deputies, the female suspect told them she had called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house that they were burglarizing. They also wanted to get a ride to the airport so that they could spend the weekend in New York. Deputies did help them with their belongings and did give them a ride, but it wasn't to the airport. It was to the county jail, the sheriff's office said in a Facebook post. And they're welcome <laughs> to stay there all weekend long, as it's much better than New York anyways. But that's you probably true. That these people who were burglarizing a house Man. and called the police for help burglarizing it were Florida men or Florida people or somewhere else. That's a hard Man. one. Yeah. I've given I've given you everything you need to know on this one. I've given you I've given you all the information. How am I missing all this information? I'm I was just everything. thinking the same thing. I'm like missing. I'm gonna go. Florida. I'm gonna say, yeah, me too. I'm gonna say Florida because it it makes sense because if like no one lived there. But like their people weren't home. There's a lot of like empty houses here, like where people are gone a lot. You're both going Florida. That's my re. That's my reasoning, anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, gentlemen. You are both correct. That is Florida AF. So the the so just just for future reference for the listeners, the little the little hints that I that I put in here that I leave in the story to let you know where it's from. One. The house was unoccupied again because there's a lot of snowbirds that have that have uh, yes. houses in Florida, Arizona, places like that. The fact that they called the sheriff's department to help them move items is something that I'm going to leave in a story because only somebody who's methed out in Florida is stupid enough to call the sheriff's <laughs> department for help That's moving stolen move. items. Exactly. Yes. Lastly, this is the most important one the sheriff's department put out on Facebook that their jail was better than New York. That's a very Florida thing to say. 
Floridians right now are especially very proud of the fact that all the people from New York are moving down to Florida and they like to boast about it quite a lot. So that was yeah. that was that last little hint there that the sheriff's department thinks that their jail is they, better than Florida. They probably won't be so pumped come election time, but seems like a cool idea in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you say we roll into a quick this or that and then head over to the after show? All right, let's do it. Are you going to play us in? Oh, yeah. I forgot. It's the first time we've had him, so I forgot we had him. <laughs> a bitch. A little bit of this and a whole lot of that. Would you rather fly in a submarine or swim in an airplane? Would you rather be a reindeer? Would you rather surf a wave of Kool-Aid or snowboard a mountain of dip and dots? Would you rather fly or be able to breathe in the water? Would you prefer the ability to stick to walls or would you rather shoot spaghetti from your fingers? Before we start, Noah, that is a work of art. <laughs> and one of the best sound clip drop-ins I think I've ever heard on a podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I I did a lot of driving one weekend and I literally came up with with all of like these like random stingers for random stuff like while I'm driving because I have no ability to shut my brain off. So when I'm driving, I'm just like going. And so like that gives you like the fact that like all of those clips were like a little bit overlapped. That's like a little little tidbit, like into my brain, like how overlapped and and un unrelenting my brain is to just constantly throw things. That being said, we now have this or that. Brian, are you ready? I'm ready. Would you rather have the ability to fly, but only at a snail's pace, or have super strength, but only when you're half asleep? <laughs> <laughs> Fly at a snail's pace, which is useless. That is just like, unless you want to hover, right? If you, you want to levitate, I guess that would be kind of fun. Or super strength, but I'm half asleep. Yes. Which is also a useless thing. I'm going to go with, le- I'm going to go with fly. Cause I just think that's fun. I, I, I think that that would be. I want to if if I have super strength and I don't really remember because I'm half asleep. It's like, man, eh, what's that good for? I want to I want to levitate and fly. Then I can't go very fast, but that's okay. I'll go that's really okay. high. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> just like uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. just like pickle when he makes <laughs> those mushroom smoothies. <laughs> Jeez, when oh, I saw that I smoothie, right? I was scared. When I saw that, I was scared. I was like, holy. Unbelievable. All right, guys, you heard it, heard, heard it first. Just like Dua Lipa, Brian House is levitating. Uh, next up, forges or grinders? Man, that's a tough one. I would say grinders for sure. There's a lot more. In my opinion, there's a way more, many more use uses for a grinder. I think every workshop should have one, whether it's a Revolution or a Maribraid or Broadbeck or whatever. It should every every workshop needs a two by seventy two. No matter what you're doing, knife making, woodworking, fixing cars, you know, doing modification, whatever it is, you need one of those. It's an excellent tool. It's an awesome tool, and you'll never know how you lived without one, like the day you buy it and set it up in your workshop. Hundred percent agree. Would you rather on that always note, have real? God hold damn. on, hold on. On that note, on that note, real quick. When I moved my revolution. So my original knife shop was set up at work. 
when I took it home, my boss was like upset. <laughs> yep. Because yep. he could just walk up to it and grind a bolt off or whatever. Sure. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Million Sorry. uses. Sorry to Ben Butler, you know. I was, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Uh, uh, would you rather always have to wear clown shoes or a giant sombrero everywhere you go hands down the sombrero that's an easy one because you could just you could have a bottle of tequila under your arm and it's like a party wherever you go pry bars for fingers or knives for elbows say that one more time would you rather have pry bars for fingers or knives for elbows? Ooh, knives for elbows. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, that'd be so sick. It'd be like an anime <laughs> character wherever you went. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Would Most you rather commu- just cut boxes open? <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you rather communicate only through interpretive dance or through a series of animal noises? <laughs> dance i'm gonna go with dance i like dancing that's it's been pretty good for me actually <laughs> dancing that's what made you famous TikTok. on tiktok <laughs> exactly tiktok dancing is what made me pretty famous there would you rather have an army of penguins or an army of squirrels as your loyal followers squirrels mm-hmm. they're relentless 100 they, they will they will they would fight to the end for you i believe that <laughs> A penguin, they're going to be like, we're here, but we don't really know what to do. And they can't fly. Squirrels, man, they can like jump from tree to tree. Can you imagine having an army of squirrels you could just command to do stuff? Oh, you'd be, be fantastic. Well, plus they got they have opposable thumbs. And like they could, I mean, imagine the possibilities. They can do all kinds of stuff for you. They can bite. Yeah. They can scratch. Oh, yep. Chew yep. wiring. Squirrels. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, would you rather have a personal theme song that plays wherever you go or have the ability to make any inanimate object come to life and talk to you? I think the inanimate object to have a conversation with inanimate objects would be fascinating. I would never get bored. Wow. That was not okay. All right. That's, that's cool. All right. Folders or fixed blades. Fixed. I just, I love a fixed blade. I carry, I don't have it on me right now because I'm at home, but I carry my bald man knife and tool thicker clipper. And I love that knife. It's a fantastic knife, fixed blade knife. And the way it fits in my pocket, it's just like you can shove it in there. It clicks into the Kydex. It's perfect. I have folders and I like folders, but it's like one extra step with a fixed blade knife. I can pull it out and I'm on the ready. Love it. Ability to fly, but only on a pink yoga mat or breathe underwater, but you no longer have any control over your bladder whatsoever. If you're underwater, right? Oh, but so wait, do I not have control of my bladder even when I'm everywhere? Like, or just Correct. in the water? Everywhere. everywhere. Ooh, I, I got to go with the yoga mat then for sure. Okay, pink yoga mat. Up. Who gives a shit? You can fly. Right. Last up, and this is this is this is the big one: fire pit or hot tub? Hot tub, hands down. No, we have a hot tub here. You don't want to be a fire pit piece of shit. You cannot be a fire pit piece of shit. Do not sit next to a fire, drink alcohol, and call yourself a human. It's just not going to happen. You're, just, <laughs> you're a piece of shit. I can't even tell you. That's just what it is. You Actually, that? that wasn't me. That's a. 
that wasn't me that said that. That was Ben. He's like that fire pit piece of shit. We could not. And and the, you know how many people have now taken photos of their fire pit and tagged us in? It? Oh yeah, I've seen a few. I've seen a few. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, that was the end of this or that. Thank you for playing along with our silly games. I love it. And I meant to get the audio track for the work for it outro music, but I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to see if I could do better than Brian at lining up the out. (laughs) But I'll tease him about it next week. He'll be on next week. He's our guest next week. Oh, fantastic. I think it's like his fifth time on the show. Yeah, probably. He's on he's on here more than he's on your show that he's actually a host of. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we're about to head over to the after show. The after show is for the special few people who support us on Patreon. Uh, We really appreciate all you guys uh, showing your support to us through Patreon. It helps us uh, to pay for uh, all the bills that are associated with uh, posting stuff online and uh, and putting the show out for you guys. So we really appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash hustle and grind uh, for as little as $1 a month or $10.88 a year. As I've heard someone say, you can support our work. Um, unfortunately, as soon as you click that button, someone will die, but you will get great content. So we really appreciate you guys making that sacrifice and uh, and supporting us. And we have got some excellent questions that have been sent to us that uh, that we're going to discuss on the podcast that we're going to pick Brian's brain about. So if you want to be a part of that, it's very easy. And we appreciate um, those so of you that already have. One of the questions was from Maximus Knives, and he wants to know where Brian's tan lines start and where they end. Um, and we and did get a valid question. <laughs> So if any of our listeners, which I'm pretty sure only one, want to know the answer to that question, (laughs) head on over to the after show. Um, We did get some new patrons, so we'll read them out. Oh, let's do that. I will will speed read them before we get over there. I know Brian's on a time crunch. And And keep in mind that that tan line question, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what's going to happen in the after show. (laughs) Giggity. We have from newest to oldest. James Buck, Matt Bicker at DIY Europe, Matt Baldwin of Baldwin Blades, Brent Dignam of Crosspeen Forge, Ameribraid, Travis Haynes, Colin of Hayworth Handmade, Jeremy Ballaball, Wood by Moeller, Alexander at Slow at Devlin, Floor, Devlin Forge, Brian Hunt at Hidden Road Forge, Will from Maine, B. Cone, Jared Weaver of Weaver's Custom Metalworks or the Master of Metal Manipulation. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Maximus Knives, Ira Housewert, Eduardo Soul, Timber Tiger Forge, Darren at Stormlight Forge, Snake Branch Knifeworks, Bremner Built Knives, Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations, Echo Blades, Brian Henningkamp, Crafty Man Forge, Noam Bloomberg, Driver Defense Knives, Maritime Knife Supply, Supply, Zachary Sowell at Pattern Nostri Fabrica, Trucks Claire Custom Cutlery, Dennis Tyrell, Todd Harrington of TH Blades, BexArmory.com, Mark Vanderwerf, Mark LeBlanc, Brigham Kindell, Aru Bladeworks, KnifeMaterial.at, Donnie Dulovich, and that's it. Thanks, everybody. You're all a bunch a of great list of people. Beautiful people. Wonderful, great wonderful list. people. That was a, 
I'm not that great at public reading. That was kind of tough. I wasn't going to say Ryan. anything. It's okay. We love you. Yeah. I, I always do cutlery. <laughs> Cut, cutlery. Cutlery. But, All right. Well, Brian, those people are going to join us on this after show. This has been a pleasure. Brian, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we've already talked, me and Ryan both, about what an inspiration you are to both of us and the, the effects that you've had on both of our making careers. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners uh, feel the same way. So it's been an honor to have you on here, man. Dude, thank you guys so much, man. I, I truly appreciate coming on here and chatting with you guys. And anytime you want me to come on, just ask, and I'd love to join you again. Awesome. Awesome. Hell yeah, brother. Hit it. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Bye.